Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night. One minute at a time. I'm Robin. And I'm Leonard. And we want to welcome back Bob Caster of Immunities. Hello. And this is Minute 22 of Fright Night. It begins with Charlie hyperventilating and ends with the introduction of the Tiny Cross. Took my daddy's car and a bottle of pills. I'm gonna drive to the top of the Fairmont Hill. Put it in drive, take my hands off the wheel. I gotta know, god damn it, how living feels. I got a death wish. I don't care who knows. I'm gonna drive. And so we get the rest of Ed's quote here this dubious pleasure. And yeah, it's. And to what do I owe this dubious pleasure is the full quote. It is uh, something that is all the way back. From 1936, this, this is a Jack Benny line uh, from the movie College Holiday. Oh, nice. I, I feel like I've heard this in other things, and the only one I could find was L. Driver, Daryl Hannah and Kill Bill 2, uh, says, to what do I owe the pleasure? But I'm, I'm sure this is one of those lines that's been recycled a few <laughs> times over. <laughs> what is that Dracula toy, that projection of a vampire biting? It's like a... Night, uh, night bright or a light bright, light bright. <laughs> yeah, on on Ed's desk. You know what I'm talking about? It's this toy. Oh yeah, it's like some sort of hologram. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't able able to find it online because mm-hmm. I want one now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, we're gonna be talking a lot about what's going on in his room, but the tragedy of this whole thing is that the camera doesn't like back up a little bit and show us i mean this yeah. is evil ed's room it's gonna be cool stuff all over the place you know like horror they're trying to, they're trying to make the set dresser's job a little easier probably i guess so yeah yeah most of it's out of focus i mean you can kind of make out some of it there's a skull you can see pretty well but yep and that's where he uh got the the cross from it was actually between the skull's teeth yeah uh on the far wall we see a poster for the 1956 film the werewolf and this is interesting. It's uh, it's about two scientists that come across an auto accident and find an unconscious man in the wreck. So they take him back to his lab, to, to their lab, and inject him with the serum they've been working with. But the serum ends up turning him into a werewolf. <laughs> 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 and so and this movie is like history because it's like the first time uh, like a werewolf movie is non supernatural. It's completely science fictional. Um, uh, and yeah. uh, he. He also he can be killed by ordinary bullets and doesn't require a full moon to cause a transformation. I'm gonna say that that movie is horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> bullets, my only weakness. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has one of those hand chairs underneath yes. the werewolf. Post. It looks like a yeah. baseball glove, like a big baseball glove. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have all sorts of stuff written down. What did you see, Robin? Well, I see a horn hung on the wall. It looks like an old bugle or something. Some Something picked up at a tag sale or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe his father was Boromir. <laughs> oh. that's, the, that's the part of that story we never learned. <laughs> right. Wow. Interesting. Uh, there's a yellow train on a shelf. So maybe his uncle is uh, Hercule Poirot. Poirot. I think I pulled <laughs> off that pronunciation correctly. 
See, he's got a phone that looks like an office phone, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. That phone we've seen in Charlie's room already. And uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, we're going to see that phone again at Jerry's. <laughs> production phone it is a classic radio shack phone i don't know the model i didn't go that crazy but that is <laughs> that is a classic they probably got like three boxes you know for twenty dollars and they went to radio shack and got got them but yeah uh also on the desk uh there are like records and magazines and the one that sticks out is uh classic monsters of Filmland. awesome which uh, originally started in the late 50s, was one of the first magazines dedicated to film horror and inspired others like Cinefantastique and Fangoria. Uh, Fun fact, they got popular once uh, television started syndicating horror movies to late-night audiences, so pretty much like Fright Nights uh, (laughs) helped uh, make this magazine popular. Right. Gotcha. they went from the 50s to 1983. They did 191 issues. I have more stuff on this. Uh, Stephen King says it's li- it was a life-changing publication. He says, ask anyone who's been associated with the fantasy, horror, science fiction genres in the last 30 years about this magazine. You'll get a laugh, a flash of the eyes, and a stream of bright memories. I practically guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> the logo on it looks familiar. Actually, the punk band The Misfits took their font to kind of design their logo. Yeah. And they even had an album called Famous Monsters. They were revived uh, again, like in the mid '80s, under this uh, ban- the banner Monsterland. And now I think they're at, they're doing classic monsters of Filmland all over again. But yeah, Fright Night's been on the been on the cover uh, a few times. Yeah, I actually found like a ton of articles uh, on the Fright Night wiki. Monsterland, classic monsters, cinema, cinefantastique. Uh, Cinefax, Heavy Metal, Starlog, they all had Fright Night undercover. Fangoria did a ton of Fright Night coverage. And the great thing about the Fright Night wiki is that they archived like all these articles. They did all the scans, so it's gonna be I'm gonna be pouring over those. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a sad thing that the camera doesn't back up because here here's how the script uh describes Ed's room. It says Evil's Room is a veritable museum of horror. Movie posters of Frankenstein and the Wolfman dotting the wall. The shelves full of monsters, models. The floor littered with horror comics. Like, I could have totally geeked out, but... I think... I'm going to guess that that's probably budgetary reasons why they didn't do that. Probably licensing things. But I I just wanted to say that this room, you get that vibe because you do see some spooky things around all the things you just named. But Mm -hmm. this room, among others, when I was a kid, really inspired me. I don't know. I I consider these guys the classic monster kids in these 80s horror movies. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of them. And I always wanted to be one. And now I get to be. (laughs) <laughs> that's the beauty of being an adult is you can collect some of these things when i was a kid i you know there's no way in hell my parents are gonna let me have a row of halloween masks you know on the wall <laughs> i can do all that but there's just a few just for nostalgic reasons i i'd, I'd love to name if you'll if you'll indulge me uh, oh, uh tommy jarvis right from friday the 13th part four he's a monster kid he's a kid that you know he's working on uh masks in his bedroom uh-huh. yeah and that Corey Feldman in the, and then he he does that again as the frog was one of the frog brothers right, right. you've got uh Mark Petrie in Salem's lot of course building building a little monster graveyard model graveyard oh yeah monster kid uh the monster squad you can't leave those guys now oh yeah <laughs> shout out to monster squad man 
but as a kid, I really, I really loved it. I, you know, I, I've said over and over again, the first movie I ever saw in a theater was American Werewolf in London. I was three years old and that <laughs> stuck me. And, and, Your uh, mother is, uh, should be, uh, the police should have been called. I, I, I'm yeah. just, just well, saying. I could call, I could, I could call him right now on her. Really? It, That's uh, true. <laughs> I wonder if uh, you could bring her up on charges. When I was three, <laughs> when I was no nah, man, she's the reason that I saw, was able to see Fright Night. You know, she yeah. rented that and brought it home. <laughs> you know, and and I fell in love with the movie. So yeah, I, I always wanted to do that. And now my office sort of looks like a combination of all these kids' bedrooms. You know, um, <laughs> pretty proud of that. I finally got to you know do do that. A lot of people. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, isn't it great? We don't have to ask anybody about well, what we what we want. Oh, wait. We're married. <laughs> so the whole house would look like this if I had my way. No, it's my <laughs> office. Uh, I, I will say that for people that aren't fans of this sort of thing, you know, I've got action figures and toys and props and models and, you know, and masks. Like I said, usually what people say when they come in to the office is, oh, 40-year-old virgin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> eh, basically. Like, no, look, I have a kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess since we don't see, like, you know, a lot, uh, you know, so much, you know, as much of that stuff as the script describes, I think of him, you know, I, I sort of automatically think of him more as like a generic geek and, you know, maybe like a bit of a rocker dude type thing. Right. Yeah. 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 That shirt and stuff like that. Is that same? Has that shirt been discussed in previous minutes? Or is this the first time we're seeing that thing? I think that's the first time we're seeing this shirt. Which I assume he just cut the sleeves off of it himself. Which (laughs) he seems like somebody. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even. Um, I've been listening to some some commentaries. I didn't say specifically what they're wearing, but um, he he did mention on a uh, this uh, this, uh, website, Icons of Fright, put out some uh, pirate commentaries for Fright Night. And uh, he said that when they were getting ready to film, the costume designer, uh, Mort Schwartz, actually took Steven all around L.A. and had him pick out his own wardrobe. Uh. <laughs> so a lot of like the funny things that you see him wear, he, he picked those out himself. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this performance is just so perfect. I mean, it, oh, it, yeah. it's just one of the things that makes this film just, just how – we you know intense and he's like just these specific moments he chooses to like you know enunciate words and stuff like that he's just such a <laughs> freak i mean this is back when like you know geeks and nerds and dorks were three different things and he's just you know, one step yeah. short of biting heads off chickens in the geek territory right. <laughs> so we have charlie acting like a child i just wrote that on because he literally says vampire knows i know about him or at least he'll know when he wakes up tonight um, but yeah, like I you love, said yeah, about when evil is the voice of reason to you. Like, <laughs> so a little bit off the loop. Bit. Yeah, he says, "What are you talking about?" Which is funny because we just heard that from Lieutenant Lennox uh, in the uh, previous scene. But yeah, I love how amused he looks at all this stuff. Yeah. It's just what what is going on here? And then he says, "I have a vampire living next door to me, and he's going to kill me if I don't protect myself." Which really cracks evil up. <laughs> And Len, actually, I wrote this in my notes. Len, what would you do if I showed up at your house and started saying there was a vampire next door and he's going to kill me? Like, uh, would you crack up like evil here? Or I don't know that I'd laugh. I think I'd be disturbed and be like, look, man, you got to call your wife and you got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't to react. I want to believe this stuff, but I, you know, I don't know how far my imagination would stretch for you. Well, what if he what if he offered you the seven dollars he had in his pocket? <laughs> well, that does that, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Far I be it from you to f- turn down a fool's money. <laughs> Right. Which I love that because it's like he's he it's like he's quoting, but he's obviously just making that up, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if that was a quote too, and yeah, I did I saw a lot of far be it's from me far be it from me, but that was it. Yeah, I think he's kind of alluding to a fool and his money are soon parted, but you know he's, yeah, he's yeah. kind of like coming up with it as he goes. I mean, you know, he's giving that impression that he's coming up with it as he goes. <laughs> But at first he does tell him he's he he like stops he looks at him and then he pinches his cheek and he says very funny Brewster <laughs> and then and then Charlie makes the mistake of calling him evil right. uh, which is always I'm always uh, you know he he's always smiling or I don't know acting very humorous when or amused when he says don't call me evil anymore but then he gets kind of serious so I, yeah. I'm assuming he actually really doesn't like being called evil he's just yeah. His, his delivery is weird. He's awesome. He's just so strange. Yeah, it's hard to tell because he he's almost smiling through it, but uh, yeah, his voice is so, as you've said before, crackly. It's a, it's, like it's a, an interesting thing. I mean, it sort of like it gives you a kind of point of character on Charlie that he still does, mm-hmm. and uh, it makes me think about the fact that like there was some point like after this, like past, perhaps after Revenge of the Nerds came out or something, where like all protagonists in movie in movies like this would be nerds and misfits. And, you know, but Charlie isn't, you know, is kind of like the normal guy, you know, I mean, he's yeah. like, there's nothing obviously wrong with him other than he's got a single mom, you know, like, you know, socially, other than he's got a single mom, you know, he's about mm-hmm. to score with his girlfriend, like in the very first time we see him. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, he's got a slight obsession with uh, Peter Vincent, but it's not enough that it's actually distracting him. You know, what, what you know, what's distracting him is the fact that murders are going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it's interesting that, you know, we're getting this point, you know, that, you know, he's obviously on a higher social rung than evil is enough that, he, you know, he, you know, even when he's trying to get his help, he continuously keeps calling him that. Right. So what stuck out for me in the scene was when Ed says, why should I help you anyway? Which I thought was just an odd, odd question that doesn't exactly get explained in this scene, but I do have the novelization <laughs> Which has more lines, which I'm assuming they I'm, I'm assuming more and more that this novelization that I've been referring to is like they got like the first or second draft, like before the final draft. And it was more to it because uh, they kind of bicker back and forth about like, well, it, it kind of boils down to the age old problem. Like Charlie's been spending all his time with Amy and Ed feels completely cut out of his life. And he actually says that they haven't even hung out in like three months. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I mean, that yeah. is kind of a revelation to me that they ever did hang out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought they were like good friends. And uh, but yeah, so it's it, it felt weird to me. Um, well, that's not the only weird thing, but I'll bring up, I think, in further minutes, uh, other things weird about their relationship. But um, he says uh, it says that Charlie it has Charlie saying that he's tired of people treating him like he's crazy, which ca- causes Ed to like talk about how people treat him like he's crazy, right. and and that it kind of implying that Charlie hasn't had his back for a while now mm. when, when he used to have his back, you know. But Amy's been distracting him. I have a feeling this novelist has read, read a lot of Stephen King. It seems like he's like, kind of <laughs> yeah. Stephen Kingify it a little bit with the backstory. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so this is when Charlie offers the money. And I just love Ed just looks like, what an idiot for giving me cash uh, <laughs> for this nonsense. Sure, I'll take your money. Uh, and then uh, and then he just sits back and he's like, okay, I'm going to be cons- um, consultant mode now. Okay, tell me about what's going on. And that's when Ed grabs the uh, tiny cross. And uh, Tom Holland's script actually calls it a dime store cross. 
And that's where this minute ends. Did you guys have anything else for this minute? Well, you get the thing where it's like, I think it's in this minute where the, uh, like, where do you expect the vampire to attack? And he's like, in my bedroom tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which in case, like, you know, certain subtext in this movie was too subtle up until then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, and oh. I would think maybe in a later movie, like, Evil would have said something on that, you know, addressing yeah. <laughs> that exactly. It's like, what? <laughs> but I think it's probably just as well. They, yeah, that you just let it go. But <laughs> mm. it's an interesting moment. Yeah, it's I wonder if it came up in the remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I meant to watch that before, the, but then I ran out of time. Bob, do you want to uh, tell the folks about Immunities? Uh, sure. Uh, Immunities is a uh, horror, sci-fi, slight, slight dash of comedy audio drama uh, in the body snatcher vein. Uh, you can find it at immuniesdrama.com. It's an uh, ongoing audio drama that's in its third season cool how long have you been doing that for three years or uh we managed the the plan was to do a season every six months and i'm a little oh. behind that so we're a little less than two years i guess cool. cool well i do love me some invasion of the body snatchers so if it's anything like that <laughs> and actually our uh, la- our last four episodes you know we're in sort of height when whenever we have a hiatus i try to think of something to fill up the time and so uh We've done four episodes, one each, just uh, some of our cast and some other podcasters discussing each of the four Invasion of the Body, you know, official Invasion of the Body Snatchers versions. Oh, yeah. 56, 78, 93, and 2007. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that's, uh, I think Fright Night fans would uh, have fun checking that out also. Oh, for sure. All right, well, let's put a stake in this one. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. You're so cool, Robin. <laughs> I've been waiting to hear that all my life. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a fright night. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, Bruce.